We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... G'day, I'm Richard Glover, and welcome to the Lindley Evans Music Studio at the ABC in Ultimo for an all-stars edition of Thank God It's Friday, bringing together some of TGIF's all-star visitors from the last few years. So settle down and listen into the fun with visitors Jackie Weaver, Hannah Gadsby, Tim Brooke-Taylor from The Goodies, PJ O'Rourke, and TGIF regulars such as Tommy Dean, Subby Valentine, and our very own Wendy Harmer. But first... As always, here is the news from nowhere. I'm in the Space Cadet's bedroom and I'm staring at the fish tank that has suddenly appeared on his desk. I thought I said no to a fish tank and no to a fish. So what's this? I ask him, pointing at the tank and the fish swimming around within the tank. Her name, says the Space Cadet, is Wanda. (laughs) She's a fish called Wanda. (laughs) Wanda? Yes, says the Space Cadet. She's a Siamese fighting fish. You should see her when she's enraged. The Siamese fighting fish looks at its best when enraged. The same cannot be said for me. I go all sullen and thin-lipped, which is how I am right now, standing in the Space Cadet's bedroom, peering at his act of defiance. In all our years together, this is pretty much the only thing I have ever denied him. He cannot have a fish. No, absolutely not. No fish. Is that clear? No fish. I've helped him purchase his own body weight in musical equipment. I've approved a series of iTunes downloads using my credit card. I've even extended credit on the purchase of an amplifier, the funds to be repaid via jobs round the house. (laughs) An arrangement that involves him spraying Windex in the vague direction of the back windows before smearing at them with a dirty cloth and then wandering off. But... I have said no, I have always said no to fish. What's your problem with fish? The space cadet would routinely ask as we stared into the window of the pet shop. I don't have a problem with fish. My problem is with you. Sometimes you just have to accept the word no. Like most of his generation, the space cadet is a reasonable guy and so I don't get the chance to say these sort of father-like things very often. (laughs) The words seem strange in my mouth as if Both of us have been thrown into an unaccustomed pantomime. I feel like I should pop on a hat and suck on a pipe and that he should slip into a pair of stovepipe jeans and drive a safety pin through his nose. (laughs) But a fish, he says with sweet reasonableness, a fish would be a great addition to the family. As the months go on, the space cadet won't let up about the fish. He's finally found something we disagree about and just can't leave it alone. It's like when you've got a broken tooth in a mouthful of good ones, yet your tongue can't help prodding the wobbly bit. (laughs) I might defy you, the space cadet says, as we once more march past the pet shop, carting the supermarket shopping. I might just buy the fish, and then you won't be able to do anything. You won't be able to do anything about it at all. I slip into hat and pipe mode. Absolutely not. You will not defy me. There will be no fish. Is that clear? No fish. And yet here it is, the fish. 
the fish called Wanda. We stare at it, the two of us, in the darkness of, in the darkness of his bedroom, our faces illuminated by the tiny light from the tank. I wonder what I should do. On one hand, it's a, an act of clear defiance. On the other hand, it is only a fish. There are worse things you could find when searching your teenage son's bedroom. <laughs> Heroin. A Billy Joel record. <laughs> an application form to appear on Hey Hey at Saturday Red Faces. <laughs> uh, are you going to kill it? The space cadet finally asks. The question is absurd, which just goes to show how ill-practised we are at these father-son conflicts. It strikes me that his performance in the role of the rebellious son is generally pretty pathetic. I mean, really, a fish. When I was his age, I shaved off my eyebrows, told my father I would no longer work in his news agents and instead plan to move to Berlin and commence life as a cabaret artist. <laughs> now, that's a rebellion. The arrival of Wanda just doesn't cut it. Upping the ante by portraying me as a fish killer will never win over the critics. Of course I'm not going to kill your fish, is all I say. He says his girlfriend will be relieved. He told her it was quite likely I would kill the fish, <laughs> enraged at being defied. You, you, you said what? I stammer, staring at him with genuine shock. But he just shrugs as if my general brutality is pretty widely discussed. It emerges that he and his girlfriend have been working on this for weeks. They, they bought the fish tank, the fish light and the fish in separate operations, smuggling them into his bedroom in pieces hidden in their pockets. It's, it's been like the escape from Colditz in reverse. The space cadet says he will now ring his girlfriend with the news that I won't kill the fish. The poor girl that emerges has been in tears at the prospect of Wanda's murder at the hands of the space cadet's brutal and uncaring father for weeks. I kneel in front of the fish tank and watch Wanda do her stuff. She has this amazing feathered tail that shimmers as she swims. The space cadet was, was right all along. I always have had a problem with fish. They die on you. <laughs> Owning fish is a long, sad song of bloated bodies <laughs> and unfulfilled hopes. But maybe the space cadet needs to find out that for himself. One day I would like to see Wanda enraged. One day I'd like to see myself enraged. <laughs> My fins are quiver. But not today. Wanda, I regret to say, is growing on me. And that's the news from nowhere. We have Subby Valentine, we have Wendy Harmer and we have Tim Brooke-Taylor with us. Now, the BBC issued new guidelines for comedy banning anything that is, quote, unduly humiliating, aggressive or derogatory. <laughs> I'm wondering how some of the BBC's most famous sketches would fare under the rules that have been introduced this week. For example, the Four Yorkshiremen sketch, co-written by Tim Brooke-Taylor back in 1967. Surely an example, Tim, of, of humiliating people from northern England, like my father, <laughs> who happened to just like a, an odd whinge. It was partly because I lived in Derbyshire, which was only a few miles away, and we loathed Yorkshiremen. You, you, could, you could hear the whinging. Yeah, I think specifically your father we loathed. <laughs> but you know, Tim, I've got to say, I was, you know, looking at this question, I, I went and I had a look again at the script of the four Yorkshiremen and just laughed like a drain. It is still the best. <laughs> no, no, it was mere typing based on my father. <laughs> it was the best we're, comedy sketch ever. We're, we're, yeah, my, my father spent a long time in New Guinea, and he once said to me, he said... Uh, 
when I when I was in when I was get there when I was in New Guinea, yeah, I worked 24 hours a day yeah, right. for four years. <laughs> and I said, "Gee, you must have been tired, Dad." And he said, "I was boogered," <laughs> which you would be. <laughs> I have to say, this week I was in, in fact it's today they're having a big Monty Python reunion, in, and of course they always claimed it was. And I sent an email to Eric Idle saying, "Unfortunately, I can't be there." And I'm in Sydney. He said, "Sydney luxury." <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. But all that aside, all that aside, this sketch would, and lots of other sketches, would not make it surely under the new laws. How would you refigure all these sketches? One of the BBC's most famous sketches in order to meet the new guidelines. Please pick one. Subby Valentine. If it was retrospective, you'd just lose everyone, wouldn't you? Alf Garnett and Basil Fawlty, Alexis Sale, the gone. young ones. Yeah. They're all got all those seventies sitcoms. <laughs> they're all got what is it? Um Unduly humiliating, aggressive, or derogatory. That pretty much was the plot of Love Thy Neighbour, wasn't it? Every week. <laughs> you bloody Nick Nog. I mean, that's, you know, that was the show. How could you remove that? Um, obviously, the four short Yorkshireman sketch, uh, I can just about do it off by heart, I reckon, Wendy. But um, um, it was having a go at the Yorkshireman, clearly, and, uh, and, and suggesting that they come from poor upbringing. That's the problem. So I thought maybe rejig it. From a, a Derbyshire toff. May, yeah. Maybe rejig it a bit. Maybe rejig it a bit and make them rich. That would be a way we could do it. And, then, and also, you're still picking on the Northerners, so mix it up a bit, have three people, time constraints, some MTV generation. So um, <laughs> change it to three, one from Yorkshire, one from London and one from Sydney. Yeah. Set it in Sydney yeah. and make yeah. them rich. Mm. You can't argue with that. So something like this. <laughs> I live on Sydney Arbor and I look across directly to the Opera House. I own my own telecommunications company. I've got three kids, all at top private schools. I get up at ten... Not because I have to, just because I want to. <laughs> me butler, he makes me a full English breakfast with all trimmings, Yorkshire puds, the lot. I then take my Mercedes into the office, I work for an hour, then have a long boozy lunch. I knock off early, I drink, drive home. <laughs> my 25-year-old trophy wife greets me at door in lingerie. She makes me bubble bath, then feeds me champagne and caviar while I luxuriate in bubbles. <laughs> Finally, I fall asleep on lounge watching reruns of Leeds United from the 1970s. <laughs> right, then you've got the English guy going, mate, that's nothing. You look at the opera house, mate, I'm next door to it. You seen that toaster? I've got the top floor of that thing, the whole lot. You know why, mate? Property development, my son. You've got a butler, mate. I've got supermodels all over the gaff. You know what time I get out of bed? When I finish shagging, that's when I get up. <laughs> I've got two kids, I've got three ex-wives. I don't know where they are, but I'll tell you one thing, mate. They've all got helicopters, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I don't even go into the office, mate. I drive around in my Lamborghini, I've got a laptop, I've got an iPhone, I'm sorted. I finish work by about morning tea time, then I go home, I have way too much cocaine, then I fall asleep <laughs> watching Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. <laughs> Your Aussie's going, mate, fair nigga, you blokes talk crap. You, you reckon you look at the Opera House, you're next door to the op Opera House, mate? I'm CEO of the Macquarie Bank. Mate, I own the Opera House. Yeah. I use that thing for private parties. I don't know what time I get out of bed. You know what? It doesn't matter because I earn $25,000 an hour when I'm asleep. <laughs> I've got a stunning wife who's got a multi-million dollar swimsuit label. I've got a son in South America who recently purchased Peru. <laughs> I haven't got a butler as such. I've got a man on call 24 hours a day. I can ring him and he'll do, do whatever I say. His name is Kevin Rudd. <laughs> I try not to go into the office at all because that way I'll be sacked quicker and my redundancy pad will be heaps bigger. <laughs> and when I get home, 
from my non-existent job, I watch the Home Shopping Channel because I own it and it makes me $10,000 a minute. <laughs> and you tried telling that to the audience all day. Sonny Valentine. Now, the BBC, new comedy guidelines. Unduly humiliating, aggressive and derogatory. How are you going to rewrite the classic scripts of the past? Wendy Hum. Well, I was just thinking about <laughs> Little Britain. Oh, dear. <laughs> that is gone for a Burton. It's absolutely gone for a Burton. I don't even know what gone for a Burton is, but that's where it's gone. From now on, it'll be, um, <laughs> I'm the only person named Dafford in the village. <laughs> no mention of sexual preference. And Marjorie Dawes from Fat Fighters. She's going to be Marjorie Dawes from People Who Are Big Bones. <laughs> I mean, and where do you even start with the rest of them? With Aunt eh, 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 from the Steven Spielberg psychiatric <laughs> hospital. Yeah. You got Lou pushing Andy in the wheelchair. Yeah, I know, what that one? Sebastian, the gay A, the Mrs. Emery with her incontinence problems. And what about Ting Tong Macadang Dang, the Thai mail order bride? <laughs> I think what's going to happen is that when Carol looks into the computer screen, it's going to be BBC says no. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Brooktaylor, how are you going to rewrite the classic sketches of the past? Um, I don't really want to rewrite I think the two Ronnies, do you think, do you remember the four candles sketch? <laughs> now, if you had to speak properly, you know, it'd be fork handles. Oh, all right, here's a fork handle. Well, <laughs> you know, it's not much use. And we, we did a goodies one, which was, um, we had a plague of Rolf Harris's that attacked <laughs> Now, you see, that's very unfair. You wouldn't be allowed. You can't kill them off now. <laughs> so they come in in a boat and you either sink it or put them on Christmas Island. You've got to make up this mind. <laughs> Um, I, think, I think that's it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Rolf Harris, uh, surely there are exceptions to the BBC, <laughs> BBC rule. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover. Thanks for joining us on TGIF All Stars. I'm Richard Glover. And when Jackie Weaver appeared on TGIF, she had just finished filming The Silver Lining Playbook which was nominated for eight Academy Awards, where Jackie was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Not to mention, Jackie also got a nod from the leader of the free world at the time, Barack Obama. That's enough from me. Let's hear from our most eligible TGIF All-Star, Miss Jackie Weaver. I'd just like to say I had to beg to get back onto Thank God It's Friday. Since I've been working in America, <laughs> Richard Glover has dropped me like a hot pikelet. No. He's cut me off like a suppurating you. toenail. You, <laughs> you were asking I for... I had to offer inducements. I bought him a jar of... Dick Smith strawberry jam, <laughs> whereas it used to be the other way around. He yeah, plead yeah. with yeah, me yeah, to come yeah. on yeah. this program. He'd yeah, say, you can have, it. You can have a, a, a taxi docket to Perth. <laughs> you can have a parking spot. I haven't even got a car. <laughs> you could have sold the now, parking I want, spot. I want to hear a bit more because you've been making back-to-back -back movies with huge stars. Tell us what you've been Mrs. doing. Mrs De Niro. Mrs De Niro. Yeah, Mrs. Yeah, De Niro. Yeah. I did four films oh. and I did, um, and, and of course the play in Washington, D.C. What play did that, you do? That was, was with play? Kate. That was the what one was the we play? did in oh, that one. Kate yeah. Blanchett and yeah. Hugo Weaving and, um, uh -huh. and Richard Roxburgh. Yeah. So you, did, you did the film with Washington, De Niro, right? And I did, yeah. I've just uh, fin finished a couple of months ago a film with Robert De Niro where I was his wife. And, oh. and did you marry him? And Bradley Cooper's mother. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you marry him? Did you get married over there? I would have if he'd asked, but he's. <laughs> Have he's you already, ever been married? He's got over a there? beautiful wife oh. and six 
children. Six children. Six children. Mm. No. I've got quite a serviceable husband myself. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> have. You, you always have had. Um, did you, Doesn't and, and, take them long. And, and did, did he spend most of his time in his, in his trailer or was, you know, did he? No, he was very, very charming, on. real yeah. gentleman, really mm. friendly. Who, who else have you made movies with? Um, Shirley MacLaine? Well, you know that gorgeous Mia Wasikowska? Yeah, yeah, yes. great, great Australian actress, yeah. I did a film Emily with Blunt. her and Emily Blunt, I was mm. her mother, that comes out this month. Uh-huh. It's called Five Year Engagement and that's a Judd Apatow film. He produced... Um, uh, bridesmaids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I, I, heard, I heard this great story about, about Obama. Tell, tell me about Obama. Oh, yeah. I is don't that, know if it's protocol to tell you this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when when we were filming the De Niro film, one of the producers, Bruce Cohen, he um, he had to go. We were filming in Philadelphia, and he went to Washington for the weekend. And he came back and said, um, uh, he'd, he, been he'd been in, working with with Mrs. Obama. Yes, he'd yeah. been invited to a, an exclusive dinner for only about sixteen people at the White House, and he said and. Because he made a um, a documentary for Mrs. Obama, and he sat next to the president at dinner, and the president said, "What are you doing at the moment?" And he said, "I'm making a film with Robert De Niro, Bradley Cooper, and Jackie Weaver." And Obama said, "I love Jackie Weaver in Animal Kingdom." <laughs> Go, Jackie! <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't Not it? Bad, is it? Leader of the free Huge. world. <laughs> and Shirley MacLaine. But he's you, married too. Aren't you Shirley MacLaine? <laughs> Didn't you do something with Shirley MacLaine? Aren't you her um, buddy and something? I was meant to be filming the Shirley movie right now, yeah. but that's been... But she got invited on TGIF. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I said, my friend Richard Glover has yeah. finally relented. Um, yeah, he's, no, got stra- he's got Dick oh. Smith's strawberry jam. That's, you know? right. that's happening a bit later but in the year. On, but right. Shirley's just gone into Downton Abbey. You know, she's playing... She's playing um, Elizabeth McGovern's mm. mother. I'd love to be a fly on the oh. wall for those scenes with Maggie Smith. I reckon that'd oh. be good. Oh, acting contest. I mean, it's interesting to me, though. I always figure, I always wonder how you play it. I mean, it's lovely to be acknowledged by the President of the United States. Um, but it just seems for the role, you just go, well, you know, I, you know people say to me, oh, I, I know Jackie Weaver. I've been on TGIF with her. And, and in that movie, she was so creepy. Uh, yeah, is she that creepy in real life? I'm like, well, she is now. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think she was lovely and kind of fun. <laughs> now, oh my God, she creeps me out. I'm afraid at any moment she's going to kiss me on the mouth. <laughs> I will if you like. <laughs> <laughs> now, talking about showbiz, oh. it's, it's Logies on Sunday night. So what have you learned about life through either watching or being on television? Lex. Oh, well, Richard. Apart from my lines, and not always then, <laughs> I don't think I've learned anything on <laughs> television. Uh, I've learned that it's an amazingly democratic medium that any idiot can go on television and do anything stupid and someone somewhere will have so little to do in their life <laughs> that they'll watch it. <laughs> and anyone can... But, but enough seen, about Kingswood Country. No, 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 no but, I, but see, I've seen you on television. I've seen Tommy on television. Jackie's got her own channel in the States. <laughs> She's doing, a, you know, a cooking, exercise... Marrying. You know, counselling kind of show. Any, everyone goes on TV. That's, I've learnt that. And from watching TV, I've learnt what I do now, which is I don't watch TV. <laughs> Very that's well. the only thing I can say that very, I've learned from it, just watching my Tell me, what have you stupid. learned from TV? Well, early on in my life, I learned that it is possible for men and women to live together on a small island with almost no sexual tension at all. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks it, to it, Gilligan's it, Island, Gilligan's yeah. Island. 
it seemed incredible, but yeah. there you are. Like I, I then I watched years later. You watched Survivor, and I thought these people just did not watch Gilligan's Island. They? <laughs> They're not getting along in the way that people can get along had they watched the earlier lessons. Uh, then later in life, I learned uh, from the Dukes of Hazard. Uh, that you can uh, drive in the country any way you like. Uh, that was lovely. And then, as you know, again, life progresses on. I learned from Dallas that sometimes um, whatever happened didn't happen. It's just a dream. <laughs> that was a nice lesson to learn. And then in reality television, I learned that uh, actual reality is, oddly, more enticing and fun to watch than reality television. <laughs> just go just sit look, in the park. Look, look out the window. Exactly. And from actually being on television, what I've learned is all of us would benefit greatly from an editor. <laughs> Jackie, what have you learned from watching or being on? Well, I couldn't think of anything, but I will tell you a Logie story. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. Um, John Waters, uh, the actor, um, and I many years ago went together to Melbourne for the Logies to um, accept a Logie for Hugh Keysburn, who's a great actor, um, because we had all been in an episode of Rush. Remember Rush, set mm-hmm. in the Gold Rush? Mm-hmm. Captain Frontbottom and all that. Yeah, all of that. And, um, and sure enough... <laughs> what are you talking about? That's I it thought, in a nutshell. I thought I'd let it pass. Um, so anyway... No, they, so they, Hugh... they replayed it on the late show. Oh, that's right. And the, he was Captain yes. Frontbottom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Hugh won it and John went up to accept it and that was all very lovely. And then we, we got so merry at the after party, we lost the Logie. <laughs> and it's never been seen since. So if you would have won the Oscar, you could have replaced I have the lost Logie. It, yes. <laughs> yeah, you would have lost it. What new app are you now working on? Jackie Weaver. I knew you'd ask me. I can't think of anything. Um, I knew you'd ask me. I can't think of anything. Um, I don't even know uh, how to use the apps. Oh, well, you just push the app button yeah, and download push, it. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> now you know I'm an idiot. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I've got the, what about the Obama compliment app oh, in which you press the it. president and he, <laughs> he ignores Robert De Niro and praises you? I wouldn't mind an app that um, did, did things like Instagram that made you look much better in your photos than you actually look. I think that would be fantastic. Isn't there an app where you can get your hair changed? Yeah, I think there well, is. But it actually changes your hair. How does it do that? What do you put on your head? <laughs> We're talking about virtual reality, oh, okay. which to some of us crosses over. Uh, into what, what about reality reality? reality, reality. Oh, no. reality. An, an app that changes your hairstyle in a reality reality is called a barber. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember when Tommy was talking about reality TV, I remember that old hippie adage that I'm so wedded to that Reality is really only for people who can't handle drugs. <laughs> <laughs> what, what apps are you working oh, on, Lex? Well, uh, speaking of which, uh, Richard's very opposite uh, segue into that. Uh, there's two in particular that I'm looking at. One is I want an app that downloads all of the CCTV footage taken of an individual during the day. Yeah, is that right? So at the end of the day, I'd like to go home, I'd like to press my app and I'd like to get a collection of all of the footage that I've been in today. Yeah. Um, for, for, for a man whose who's well, dementia you know, is as deep as Lex's, it would have reminded him where he's been. Well, exactly, that's part of the reason I want it. Um, and then when it is, Wouldn't it be why good? Did, I, mean, I, think, I think the bit where I came in from the car park into the lift, I'd love to see that again. <laughs> <laughs> that felt like it went really well to me. <laughs> Listen, thank God it's Friday. We have PJ O'Rourke, Tommy Dean, Wendy Harmer and our wonderful audience. Thank you. 
Now, Manly Council is, is caught out airbrushing cigarettes from works of art in its collection. And now we're cleaning up the artistic work of the past, making it more ideologically sound. What do you think is next for people such as those at Manly Council? PJ O'Rourke. Ah, dead white males, you know. Get I'll rid of them. Oh, yes, right. Airbrush, a lot of airbrushing will need to be done, you know. <laughs> there goes the whole portrait gallery, the National Portrait Gallery. <laughs> it's a bunch of blank things. <laughs> they just run it out of the basement in future. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 Wendy, what do you think? Well, I've looked at a couple of artworks. I've looked at both um, Hieronymus Bosch's uh, Garden of Earthly Delights and Dogs Playing Pool. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I like the Dogs Playing Pool. I've think... got those. Yeah. <laughs> I've got that whole collection of those. Yeah. I think we're in trouble on both counts, really. This is going to take a lot of text to work. I just actually, just out of interest, I had a look at what's in Hieronymus Bosch's Earthly Delights there. We've got... Um, well, you, you've got your left-hand panels about Adam and Eve, you know, lack of religious inclusion, nudity, intolerance of same-sex marriage. Get rid of them. You've got the middle panel, nudity, group sex, bestiality, fruit fetishism. <laughs> fruit fetishism, yeah. And this is actually great. I was re- reading this on Wikipedia, of course. There is actually, in the middle panel, the, the depiction of a man inside a red fruit staring at a mouse inside a transparent cylinder. <laughs> now, if that isn't a drug reference, I'll go, hey. <laughs> and then you've got your right panel. That sends <laughs> the wrong message to kids, <laughs> doesn't sure it? Does. Yeah. And the right panel, you've got alcoholism, gambling, a be- lot of beer buttock action. And this is my favourite, PJ, a pig forcing a man to sign legal documents, which is either being rude about lawyers or swine. And I'm not, <laughs> but it's kind of the same thing, really, yes, isn't it? Yes, yes, really, to the extent we can tell the difference, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Erroneous, erroneous. Yeah. But I was thinking, actually, what about about restoring some of the things, not just getting rid of it? You know, there's a lot of lookism in art, too. I think so. I think the attractive people should be airbrushed right out. More room for me, more room for me, you know? Let's just just have done with attractive people, especially with them with their clothes off. I'm with PJ. Look, I think not only, Richard, should we be taking things away, but we should be restoring Venus de Milo's arms, for instance, (laughs) so she can hold up, you know? No, 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 that's so insensitive to the disabled. <laughs> but think about this, you won't have a lot of old pervy Greek guys looking at her breasts. Yeah, you know? Well, there's that. Yeah. That's going to be... She's going to have the arms back. Oh, the arms are going to be folded, are she, they, in a demure fashion? Exactly. I always thought she had just... You know, her arms were missing because the clam had eaten there first <laughs> and then was slowly working its way up the body from there. <laughs> have I misinterpreted this piece of art? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. I think you back to the yeah. drug references. Yes, right. Uh, Tommy, Manly Council say we should clean up the art of the past. Where do we start? Well, uh, I'm confused. I, I didn't. I, just so we clear, uh, where else, what is next? I thought we were going to go off art and clean well, up you, other things. We can clean up other things with, as well with smoking. Look, but I can make some stuff up. No, because I'm totally across the world of art. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we should do what we can to like, clean, I think, clean I mean, smoking out of everything. I mean, as long as I'm on art, we could, you know, airbrush the piss Christ in such a way that it's actually just a comb. In a barber's blue stew. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. Um, that's all I had there. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought smoking was our concern. Smoking, yeah, smoking. Um, Let's get rid of it. We go right back to cave art, though. You know, I mean, you got your pitas all over that. You know, I mean, are they or are they not chasing those mammoths around with sticks? You know, I mean, <laughs> well, I agree. It's got to go. The sticks or the something has to go. You know, There's a moment in dogs art, playing you know. pool where you're thinking, is that a cue stick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know but if we take smoking out of everything, where does that leave us with our Grateful Dead recordings? Because you know what you know what you call uh, uh, the uh, uh, what, 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 uh, what what the uh, blow the joke is that what the what the Grateful Dead fan says when he runs out of pot. What a shitty band. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. How are we going to get smoking yeah. out of well, artistic no, but, but, but endeavor? Smoking could be evil. I'm just saying it seems like they're trying to make smoking the ultimate evil when obviously Manly has a few other things to think about at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of that, I just think we lose some turns of phrase, if nothing else. I mean, uh, we certainly can't say smoke them if you got them. Yeah. Uh, we just can't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And we couldn't light it up. We couldn't fire it up. And, I, and this is going to be disappointing for many of the uh, egos in Australia, but there'll be no more blowing smoke up our asses. <laughs> That's the end of politics as we know it. (laughs) Um, Now, according to a study released, obesity in the West is leading to global warming as the overweight require more foodstuffs to keep them going and more fuel to transport them from place to place. This according to Dr Phil Edwards of the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. So if you're fat, it's your fault the planet is about to die. Given that fat people should now feel guilty about causing climate change, what other major world problems do you accept are basically your fault? PJ O'Rourke, what are you willing to put your hand up for? Oh, I think it was the you know the plague of uh, of, <laughs> of, uh, 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 of single mothers, plague of single mothers. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, no, not now, but uh, you know, we're going back 20, 30 years. You know, it wasn't that I actually caused much of it, but it wasn't for lack of trying. <laughs> I certainly asked. <laughs> I was out there doing my best, you know. Not much came of it, but uh, 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 nonetheless, uh, I will accept that. One of the major problems caused by PJ. Wendy, what are you willing to put your hand up for? Oh, I don't know. Judging by the bathroom scales this morning, Richard, I think I've accidentally eaten Micronesia in batter, (laughs) chicken salt. Um, So that'd be my fault. It was going to sink anyway. (laughs) I was going to feel guilty about Darfur, but I see Mia Farrow has it in hand. Yes. (laughs) Oh, thank goodness. She's going on a hunger strike. (laughs) Well, that won't last long, will it? (laughs) What's she weigh, two stone? I know. It's hardly a sacrifice. It's going to save one Twinkie a year. Yeah, that's right. It's a bit bit like... Dr Phil's not going to be happy. (laughs) It's a bit like Bono saying, you know, I'll be a complete knob in support of starving African people. (laughs) It's not much of a stretch, really, is it? So, um, look, my things that they feel guilty about, you know, if only I... Just if only, if I think back on it, if only I just handed in that assignment on cold fusion when I was back at primary school, we'd have abundant, Ah, clean energy now. Because you'd worked it out, hadn't you? Absolutely. Yeah, if I just, you know, if I hadn't gotten drunk. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Before physics class. Yeah, that's right. But I'm responsible for it all the receding after guys that's me leaving the garden lights on all night last (laughs) night I used a tumble dryer three times last week and all I can think is the world's last orangutan was in there that's all I can (laughs) and there are penguins saying no no Wendy no more dryer yeah, and, and the world's going to hell in a handbasket and that would be because I forgot to take mine to Safeways and use plastic bags instead so kill me (laughs) so kill me now it's all my fault single mothers Global warming, we have got honest people who are willing to shoulder the responsibility. What about you, Tommy Dean? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, my, 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 you know, this is very real as a 
clogged the drains. I wouldn't be surprised if you know, half of the clogged drains is my hair blocking up <laughs> pipe through Sydney. Uh, that's disappointing. So when there's flooding on the M5... Yeah. I mean, you know, I love the idea that one man can, you know, cause it all. Um, I think that it was... I think somehow I might have been responsible for the Hubble telescope not focusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't too focused that week either. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Might yeah. have been my fault. I, yeah. I was, I was playing with my garage door opener when the Mars lander went missing. What about that whole... That could have been me, too. I can't be sure. That Hadron Collider thing in Paris, was that you? Well, that, well the problem there was I said, use you're, something bigger. That was bigger. your internet so, usage, wasn't it? Could it could have been. I wanted the Hadron Collider to work the way they said it was going to work. Just take out all of India. I thought that would have been amazing. <laughs> I thought that would have been amazing. Not because... I mean, could have said any country there, just so we're clear. I was a big should have said Portugal. I should have said Portugal. <laughs> No this Portugal is not funny. Yeah, yeah. But it's two things that are just amazing. I love it when we quote Dr. The, the doctor of, I mean, seriously, London. Let's put the words together. London School of Hygiene. Okay, there's your first joke right there. Right? <laughs> uh, you got your London School of Tropical Medicine. What sort of dream sequence is he living in? Now, Mark from Engadine is with us to play the TGIF News Quiz. Hi, Mark. G'day, how are you going? Yeah, good. Do you feel confident? No. <laughs> uh, are, you, are, you, are you planning to go away for the weekend or are you an honest man who actually intends to turning up to work on Monday? Well, actually, lo and behold, I'll actually be flying out to uh, Uluru on uh, Monday. Oh, very good. Surprise gift for anniversary last week. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, you got Uluru as an anniversary <laughs> present. <laughs> What one, an amazing partner you have. That's one grateful yeah. woman. She's got the hump, and so is he. Uh, are, you pay, are you paying for this with the ruddies? Uh, uh, no, it's, uh, it's actually a combo gift uh, from a, a brother's frequent flies and a sister's oh, generosity wow. and a wife's uh, diligence. Yeah. Now, now imagine, you, imagine you get to Uluru and you see the rock and you're spiritually moved and you go back to the, the luxurious accommodation and there's a DVD player naturally. And you say to your, your beautiful your beautiful partner, you say, Hey, Look, do you want to watch something hey, from nineteen? Because, because I happen I happen to win a prize. And, and you just sort of say how old in the room? This is older, Tommy. <laughs> This is older. You say, baby, that Uluru's got nothing on this. I got Steptoe and Son, eight series. <laughs> That's the prize, Mark. That is the prize. Oh, look forward to it. Yes, <laughs> Steptoe and Son. The complete eight series. That was the best one, too. The eight. People, you ask. You go onto the internet. Eight series, mate. Yeah. I've actually got it. <laughs> Well, with Septon Sun, although you can always put it out in the council cleaner. <laughs> now, we're going we're to present you three stories um, from this week's news. Only one of them is true. The other two I've made up. This week, um, and your job is to pick the real deal from the fakes. This week, three stories about popular beliefs put to the scientific test. Tommy Dean, can you read your story about a popular belief put to the test? Scientists at a hair research clinic in Toronto, Canada, have dispelled the long-held belief that bald men are more sexy since they possess more testosterone. Lead researcher Steve Alexson says his studies show no statistical differences in testosterone levels. Let's face it, he says, baldness means bits of your bodies are falling off. How can that be sexy? People wouldn't celebrate if their nose fell off or if their ears started to come loose. So how come they claim to be happy over disappearing hair? 
It's all down to this myth about testosterone, and it's time it was busted. Ah, bad luck, ballies. It's been busted. Wendy Harmer, what's your story about a popular belief put to the test? Researchers at Curtin University in Perth, yep, that's that living in a dream world again, (laughs) Tommy, (laughs) have tackled one of the world's most... Sorry for anyone who's here from Western Australia. Have tackled one of the world's most pressing questions. Do blondes really have more fun? Over 200 female undergraduates had a personality test which rated their subjective well-being. The results were then sorted according to hair colour. The surprise result, blondes had the least fun. Brunettes for the <laughs> Anyway, I'll move on. <laughs> Being a brunette, she some nasty stuff was going to happen there. Brunettes were in second place, but it was the much maligned redheads who came in on top. Researcher Susan Cryos said it was a victory for what she called Ranga rights. Miss Cryos' hair colour is red. <laughs> of course it is. And finally, PJ O'Rourke, what's your story about a, a popular belief put to the scientific test? And researchers, them again, this time at the University of Leicester in the UK, they have tested one of the world's most widespread theories, as have I, the concept of beer goggles, uh, which supposedly make men view women as more attractive after drinking alcohol. Their conclusion, beer goggles are a myth. Participants... Uh, They were divided into two groups, one drunk, one sober. You can imagine which group I was in. (laughs) And asked to rate the attractiveness of women in a series of photographs. The drunker the men were, the more they overestimated the age of the women and underrated their attractiveness. The direct opposite of the supposed effect of beer goggles. Scientists are out having a beer pondering this and uh, yet to test the alternate theory proposed by the Sydney band, the Whitlams, that there is no aphrodisiac like loneliness. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mark, you got uh, three stories here. One of them is true, the other two I've made up. Is it the story about scientists in Canada proving that testosterone doesn't lead to baldness? Is it Wendy's story about researchers in Perth deciding that blondes have the least fun? Or is it PJ's story that beer goggles don't work? What do you reckon? Wow, okay. Uh, Wendy, very convincing. Really? Yeah, and I know the redhead's a bit like... Yeah. Um, she's a bitter brunette, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she's a very funny lady, too. Uh, wow. Um, the beer goggles, because I know a mate of mine used to take a picture of his missus to the pub and put it on the bar, and when she started to look good, he knew he'd had too much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark is going for <laughs> Mark is going for the beer goggles. Uh, Helen Zaremus, our newsreader, will present the correct story for Steptoe and Son, the Complete Eight series. What is the correct story, Helen? A new study's found <laughs> drinking alcohol reduces the attractiveness of the opposite sex and makes no difference to a man's ability at guessing a woman's age. The study by Dr Vincent Egan from the University of Leicester asked 240 heterosexual people found in bars and cafes and aged between 18 and 70 to look at photos of women and comment on their age and attractiveness. Dr Egan says the results seemingly fly in the face of the commonly held notion of beer goggles. Please thank Helen. Hang them up. Beer goggles. Vince was in the pub too early. 
<laughs> Vince was in the pub at 5.15. <laughs> if Vince had hung around the pub... <laughs> he, he was working university research hours. That's so, right. Yeah. He, right that's the right. thing that's not in that research, though, is, OK, so these blokes apparently couldn't tell, you know, how old or attractive it was, but did it make any difference? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I agree. I, I would suggest that the male psyche is such that too good-looking is actually too intimidating. That's and true. so that's if, true. With this, if this research, the beer goggles are doing their job because suddenly you now have not only the confidence... I, I could have a chance. You might have a chance. <laughs> and you know why? Because she's really not all that hot. Oh. Now that I think about it. Mark, congratulations. You have won. Step to Son, the Complete 8 Series. Enjoy Uluru. Thank you. Yeah. Uru. Uru. <laughs> Good on you, Mark. Hang on the line. We'll take your details and send you a prize. Thank God it's Friday. We have with us PJ O'Rourke, who's in the country at the invitation of the Centre for Independent Studies. His most recent book is PJ O'Rourke. Uh, really? And the wealth of nations. When sorry, ha- sorry, sorry, sorry. That's yeah. intriguing. A lot we of people just... think Adam Smith wrote that. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> but we just can't skip over that. Uh, yes, that's yeah, an yeah. amazing title as well. That's like the what? What is the Center for Independent Studies? Ah, uh, well, we you know, like you know, the, know. <laughs> you, you know that guy studying beer goggles at the University of Leicester. Well, yeah. That's... <laughs> He had nothing to do with Center for All you've got to know is, Tommy, that any group that has to put independent in their title is anything No, 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 no. I don't want to be rude or anything, but it, what it sounds like is... We're a think tank. We're a think tank. I'm the tank part. Sounds like a tax dodge yeah, for a trip to Australia, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it sounds like a... I wanna, that's all. I'm, I want to know, is there actually a representative of the CIS that we can bring down here to vouch for the fact... That they actually exist. Leone, Leone is back in the audience. Leone, can you Leone, speak do up? Do you for... exist, Leone? Yes, yes, yes she does. Yes, yes, and do they yes. use think tanks to wash Bo the dog in? They, yeah. they must be. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover. Thank you to PJ O'Rourke for joining us on the show. Gotta love that laugh and his contribution to the beer goggle experiment. Now a comedian who needs no introduction. Hannah Gadsby joined us earlier in her career before shooting to fame with her award-winning show, Nanette. Picking up a helpman and Best Comedy Award from the Adelaide Fringe and Edinburgh Comedy Festival and a Barry Award from the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Please welcome Hannah Gadsby with our regulars Gary Eck and Tommy Dean. The Fob Watch, of all things, is experiencing a surge of popularity due to the TV show Downton Abbey. People are buying them for 21st birthday presents and things like that. So what TV shows influenced your personal style? Hannah Gadsby. Oh, in the early years, it was definitely Prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the early years, right. Uh, uh, probably Mad Men. Yeah. yeah it's a good Mad style, Man. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I've, I've got a hell of a waist, but then I couple it with a, with a Don look. <laughs> <laughs> the real, the real attraction of, of, of Mad Men is all that sort of uh, eleven o'clock drinking, isn't it? That's oh, the... eleven o'clock. You mean in the morning? Yeah, yeah. Right. Nine, nine, nine o'clock yeah. drinking and smoking, smoking, oh, smoking. Constantly. But Gosh. you like you like the clothes. You like those uh, those beautiful dresses, do you? Um, the, for the people at home, they missed a lovely little action mm, there from from Richard. Um, <laughs> caressing, uh, caressing my own bottom um, because no one else will. <laughs> Um, not for my own personal um, uh, wardrobe, but mm. yes, yes, I do appreciate the pinched waist. Mm-hmm. But you like those? You like those suits, do? You? Yes, I like a suit, like a tie, like a like a like a thick frame glass. Yeah. Well, what what <laughs> what what, uh, what shows have influenced you? Um, actually, I, I love Man Man too. In fact. Um just uh, you know the, you know they have to use organic vegetables on that show because the fruit now is too big. 
because it was made set in the oh, 1960s. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, the banana's like, you know, a foot long now. Because so he's very particular, isn't it? The guy who makes it makes sure all the, the cereal packets are exactly the right packet. Oh, yeah. It's, everything's got to be perfect. It's, I haven't noticed a lot of fruit. <laughs> and well, ele- <laughs> well, I have. <laughs> 11 o'clock, yeah. drinks and a banana. You know, it's the, it's, the, it's the lemon in the gin and tonic. It's the lemon in. But my other show's uh, Lost, the show Lost, only because I'm always getting lost. I have just the world's worst sense of direction. I, have a, I even have a sat-nav and get lost using the sat-nav. In fact, I'd, my sat-nav doesn't, doesn't talk, but if it could, it'd be like, what the hell are you doing? That's, that's probably <laughs> why you the lost. arrow. It's that simple. <laughs> should let it talk. I should, I should have let it talk, but then I don't, I don't listen. But um, <laughs> the other one, uh, who, who wants to be a millionaire? Not uh, because I like the show, but uh, because it's the only question I can answer. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to be a millionaire? Me. <laughs> Is it still multiple choice? It's still multiple yeah, 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 yeah. I'll take uh, D, U. Oh, what have I done? It's technically uh, true. Stick with A. Uh, I also like uh, The Simpsons. You know, I, I'm a huge Simpsons fan and it, uh, all that sort of vernacular has just somehow entered my vocabulary. And you When know, I went it, through the jaundice stage, I, I liked their style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're getting that liver thing. Yeah, when done. I was drinking yeah, the yeah. 11 o'clock drinks for a while, I took some time off. Well, that's the problem. I mean, I just, you know, I, you keep saying... I mean, it's, it's part of your language and, you know, even when you go out for a romantic dinner and dessert comes, I'll be there going, mmm, chocolate. <laughs> In fact, my wife says when I do that, I sound like Tommy D. <laughs> and that's a bad thing? Yeah. Mm. I don't know how my wife knows that Tommy Dean, mmm. You know, because he does it sometimes. Best hey. dessert ever. Yeah, and that's uh, that's mm, Gary's wife. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, that, and yeah, they're pretty much all my shows. And Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh, yeah, Star Trek. Yes, uh, the the ball for those. Yeah, that, Captain uh, Picard leadership qualities. Mm, yes, I had my Brazilian on my head this morning, so uh, <laughs> it's looking very. T- t- Tommy Dean, a man of your personal style, must be it must be based on a lot of television viewing. Well, yeah, there's a lot of chill, a lot of a uh, lot of uh, pictures of me in childhood that would suggest that I took a few cues from Gilligan's Island. Uh, in fact, I still have a very soft spot for a bucket hat. My <laughs> wife hides all of my bucket hats. I'm not allowed to wear the bucket hat anymore. Disappointing. Uh, then uh, I went through in the 80s, I went through uh, the Cosby sweater phase. I was a very big fan oh, yeah. of the crazy multicolored sweater. Mm. I had no idea that it wasn't cool <laughs> for many, many years to come. It wasn't? Even at the time, apparently, it wasn't cool. I was disappointed to know that, but uh, that sweater collection. Jenny Key never learned that, didn't uh, Along with a great deal of bucket hats. And uh, since then, I've let myself uh, sort of like, I think mostly. Uh, I think mostly I, I see it as ESPN commercial fashion. Mm. <laughs> I wear well, a variety sport, of sporting, sporting tops, sporting related uh, from American uh, football and baseball teams. I, I must say, one of the th- thank God it's Friday live stage shows. So we had a little bit of a slideshow, and uh, Tommy showed these slides of him with his firstborn child. Well, first of all, the slides of you, uh, I think, at your engagement party, then scenes of you at your marriage, scenes of you with the firstborn child, mm. scenes of you with the sort of thirdborn child, all of them wearing the same shirt. The exact same shirt. <laughs> Which is a celebration of the 1999 College Bowl Championship held in Tempe, Arizona. Very good day. It's been, it's either been laundered very carefully or not at all. No, it's uh, just what I do. It seems to, I don't know why. I don't even actually see myself as that big of a sporting lover. I love sport in general, but I just suddenly realized the other day cleaning things out that almost all of my shirts are sporting mm. teams. But isn't it curious, the more people wear sporting logos on their shirts, the less sport they do. It's like the people who are dressed in the supermarket for gym, you know, right. never go to gym. I was just saying out loud, that explains it perfectly. <laughs> but also it gives you error because even right now you can't see me at home of course but the, uh, the studio audience can see that I'm wearing the Arizona Diamondbacks 
Hawks uh, sweatshirt. Uh, but these are the uh, pre-colors. This is back when they were purple and teal, and now they wear Sedona red and gray. Mm-hmm. They don't even wear these colors anymore. That's how all, all the sh- that's how all, all the school. shirt is. This is World Series colors. <laughs> now, um, who's been accused of being a litter bug? <laughs> I love I love the idea that NASA is so focused on their mission that they have sent a robot to Mars, convinced it's going to discover something <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> besides dirt. <laughs> and as soon as it had the first chance, wait there in the corner of the frame, something that right there indicates a, a very intelligent society that can produce something of shape and form. And wait a minute. Something's missing off the rover. <laughs> I love NASA nerds. I mean, what's wrong with you Americans? You go into space, you get a whole new planet, you start littering straight away. It's, 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 it makes us feel more comfortable to be there. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. We don't come from tidy town people like you. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I find it hard to believe, though, that something could actually fall off the rover. I mean, the thing costs $2.5 billion dollars to make. Mm-hmm. Who makes something for that amount of money and things fall off it? I uh, mean, Kevin Costner movies? I don't know, yeah, yeah. Maybe their mechanics are from play school or something. <laughs> uh, in fact, I would have loved to have seen the, uh, you know, the, the documentary of the making of the, of the Mars rover. Really? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. NASA engineers, using a powerful adhesive called Perkins Paste, <laughs> attach vital parts... Now watch as the wheels on the rover go round and round. (laughs) Whoops, something has fallen off. But wait, a technician is using a rubber band. This should fix everything. Now, the Thank God It's Friday Wheel of Death, when our studio audience came in at uh, five o'clock, they threw some random topics onto this uh, chocolate wheel. They include the... Automatic comedy topics of open heart surgery. I'm really hoping that's the one that. <laughs> Who was that? Up. Who was? Thank you, sir. You're wearing pink. <laughs> Another legally blonde fan. Uh, now, open heart surgery. Blonde is a stretch there. Shame. <laughs> Labradoodle. Lemon juice. Rubber bands. One Direction. Coffs Harbour. Innately comic. Peanut butter. Yoga. Cannibalism, Batman, Chopsticks, Tony Abbott, International Cycling, and we're back to open heart surgery. Round and round and round it goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. Which topic will Tommy Dean have to tackle in three minutes of hilarity? Coffs Harbour! (laughs) Okay, who suggested Coffs Harbour? Who suggested it? You, sir? right there. Ah, Well, you know. The the bad father with the 11-year-old child. (laughs) You get... A week in Coffs Harbour. <laughs> Last of the Summer Wine, the BBC's longest-running comedy series that ran from 1927 through to uh, about uh, last minute. It's complete series 15 and 16. Of last... Could you pass it back? See, the, child, the 11-year-old is looking, oh, that, that looks good. <laughs> She's realised it's yeah, not. That's right. <laughs> you can set two drinks on that. <laughs> OK, Tommy Dean, on the subject of... The New South Wales coastal town. I add these details in case he doesn't know. Oh, I know, I know. Of Coffs Harbour. I'm very excited to have this topic come up, Richard, because I have spent three excellent family holidays in the glorious seaside town of Coffs Harbour. Or, as I believe it translates in the native languages of Australia, woo, we just got past Tari. <laughs> Uh, it is an excellent place. It is an excellent place full of resorts. And what's great about the resorts of Coffs Harbour is most resorts packed with people using the amenities getting in your way. Not so, Coffs Harbour. It's almost like you have the entire place to yourself. 
It's exciting. The swimming pool for one. Dinner for one. The entire staff, like a butler and a waitress, at your complete and utter 24-hour service. Only for you. It could be the chime that I chose to be in cough time. It wasn't a holiday time. It was winter. It wasn't the high season. The big banana, slightly smaller than normal. <laughs> Due to the weather patterns of the time. Uh, I also suggest uh, that you do go to Cough Starbucks. The big banana, an excellent of all the big things that I've been to. It actually backs it up with a, a big time amount of fun back there for the kids to have. Take your kids to the big banana before you take them to anywhere actual theme park. <laughs> Once exposed to actual theme parks, the big banana will lose its luster. But before... <laughs> If this is their introduction theme park, wow, what a blast! Uh, it's got the aforementioned Big Banana right out the front, so you know what you're in for when you... Then, surprises galore, because you wouldn't expect in a tropical place where bananas are being used to have ice skating. Frozen bananas. They freeze the bananas under the ice skating rink, and then while you're ice skating, you can see your dessert being formed underneath. Then... Then you can take a frozen banana, dip it into a variety of chocolates, nuts, sprinkles, and make sure, by the way, when you're dealing with your children, you decide which one they want first, because it is $5. It is slightly expensive for a chocolate-dipped, sprinkled banana. And if you thought you heard sprinkles, but they actually said nuts, uh, they won't trade it back in after you've taken one bite. <laughs> they are very particular about the one-bite rule. <laughs> the big banana. A uh, variety of excellent gift shops. Uh, there's even a homemade candy factory. It's called, it's called, I think it's called the Candy Factory. Uh, it's homemade. It's one of those candy factories where they make candy of, a, of an infinite variety of colors, but yet one flavor. <laughs> they can get some unbelievable patterns. They can make candy where when you break it open on the inside, it looks like a little watermelon or it looks like a little strawberry. Or it actually says, Coffs Harbor. <laughs> they all taste exactly the same. <laughs> A cross between sugar, a slight bit of salt, and disappointment. <laughs> but you can get that in bags, bottles, or just have a piece on the way out. A variety of ways to get that flavor into your mouth. Uh, more than that, they've also got, of course, the giant Dutch caravan park. Uh, this is where the home of the giant wooden clog, uh, the world's greatest shoe product. Uh, it's a caravan park, and the caravan park has a gift shop as well, featuring, oddly, for a Dutch caravan park, uh, quite a few uh, like sort of heavy metal skull, sort of, lots of heavy metal skulls. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, but out the back is a miniature train system, uh, which is also nice because it, unlike most of Sydney's trains, runs on time. <laughs> Another thing to expose the children to before you actually let them loose on the actual public transport system of Sydney yeah, is a delight. Uh, also, just near Coffs Harbor, slightly out of Coffs Harbor, technically, is the Butterfly House. Uh, butterflies, thousands and thousands of butterflies. Uh, and, and here's the thing, so many people are in there adoring the butterflies in a natural environment that who can tell exactly who killed the exotic one on the ground? It's hard to know. You might want to blame my children. They were in the area at the time. But there's no security cameras. That's the beauty of the butterfly house. Thank God it's Friday. Tommy Dane. I didn't even talk about the fun you can have with a porpoise pool where you get to swim with a porpoise, which is actually a dolphin, and there is a difference. You know so much, a random topic, you know so much about Kosava. Do not. Actually, never mind. I, I'm going to get myself into allegedly problems here, and I, I don't, I'm about to cross over into legalese issues. <laughs> let's just say if you're a fan of Indian food, <laughs> Coffs Harbor may not be for you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our TGIF All-Stars special. Next week, we'll be back in the studio with Tommy Dean, Ellen Briggs, and Subby Valentine. Music from the hit musical Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. 
Until then, I'm Richard Glover, and thank God it's Friday! Friday!